are Hope Church Guildford. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering online. Please go to www.hopechurchguildford.com for more details. We look forward to getting to know you. And so what we're going to do is we're going to continue in our Genesis series now. And so Nicholas from our youth is going to read to us the passage. And so I'm going to hand over to him now. The reading is from Genesis 2 verses 4 to 25. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for fruit. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of good knowledge and evil. The river watering the garden flowed through from Eden. From there it was separated into four headquarters. The name of the first is the Pishon. It winds through the entire land of Halva where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good aromatic reason. The onyx also there are also there. The name of the second river is Gion. It winds through the entire land of Kush. The name of the third river is Tigris. It runs along the east side of Asher. And the fourth river is Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He had brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living thing, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the living stock and the birds in the sky and all the wind, all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall asleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out from the man 
and he brought her to the man. The, the man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and Eve were both naked, and they felt no shame. Thanks um, so much, uh, Nick, for doing that, and uh, what a great reading. You just, you read that so well. And um, good morning, and welcome to Hope Church, everyone. I'm Chris, and I just get the, the joy of uh, being with you this week and, and speaking to you as we continue to explore this book of Genesis. Um, and so before I carry on, actually, I should mention that I've got a um, plaster on my finger. I cut it this week and end up in A&E, had some stitches, it was all a bit of palaver, um, obviously I'm all fine now, but um, if you're wondering what is that white thing that keeps moving around on the screen, it's just just the plaster. So there you go, that's all, that's dealt with, you can focus on, on the rest of the talk and um, we've titled this series A Blueprint for Life because the beginning of Genesis tells us everything, how everything came to be. Genesis actually means origins or beginnings and so far we've looked at the origins of creation and the origins of rest and this week we're diving into chapter two and looking at the origins of mankind and, and, and a blueprint for marriage. Um, you might have seen the film The Lord of the Rings and um, for, for those of us that haven't there's two key characters in it one called Frodo and one called Samwise Gamgee and um, throughout the film they basically end up taking a long trip to destroy this this ring that kind of has all these these powers and um, on as they get towards the end of this long journey Frodo turns his back on his on his friend actually and he believes a lie of Gollum uh, Gollum this kind of creature who he basically says to him hey you, you should keep this ring and 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 it will be good for you and and it sort of becomes a bit of an identity for Frodo and and he wants to uh, keep it and keep hold of it and there's this kind of key defining moment at the end where Sam and Frodo reminisce about their friendship and this is kind of you can imagine the scenes in their heads going back to the origins of their relationship as they remind themselves of the things that united them in the first place and those key things that made their friendship what it is and uh, obviously it all turns out all good but today we're going to look at chapter two of Genesis and God's blueprint for mankind his origins for how we're meant to understand one another and interact and treat one another Chapter two is, is not like, as some suggest, an alternative creation account, but actually it's zooming into day two, revealing what, sorry, day six, revealing what happened on that day, on day six, zooming in, kind of giving more details to us so that we can know more about it. And so it's just, it's good for us to just remember a bit of context of the book. And so let me just mention a few things. One is that the, in the Old Testament, there is a book called Exodus. And Exodus tells the story of the people of God escaping from Egypt. They had been in Egypt for about 400 years, actually, at this point. 
Joseph's family that started out in Egypt, they grew to as many as two million people. And for roughly the last hundred years or so uh, of their time in Egypt, the Hebrews, as they were known, were slaves. They, they were in slavery. And so Moses, a guy called Moses, is called by God to ask Pharaoh to let the people go. They end up leaving Egypt, crossing over the Red Sea, and finally they're free. They are his new nation. They're, they're, um, they're God's people. And yet this whole generation of people that crossed from Egypt over the Red Sea into, uh, into the wilderness, into the desert, on their way to the promised land, this whole generation, all they'd ever known was slavery. And slavery was harsh and, and it would have stripped them, stripped the Hebrew people of their customs and their identity and their culture. So for about 80 days, Moses spends time at the top of Mount Sinai speaking to God. And it's in this context that Moses is told by God the story of their beginnings, of their origins, the story of creation and where they came from, the story of God's pursuit of them and, and of rest and, and of his love for them. And also the story of mankind, the story of relationships, the story of marriage and, and the story of sex. For the Hebrews, much of their culture and identity would have been defined by their time in Egypt and their time in slavery. But God is giving them a new blueprint. He is teaching them a new culture, a new way to live, a new blueprint to define their identity and their culture. And just like the creation story, this story, this account is completely countercultural. It's, it's shocking, really. And, um, you know, it's just as shocking as it was for them back then. It, it is to us today, to be honest. It's, it's quite easy, actually, to uh, be digging into this text and to find all sorts of reasons for offence, especially in our culture and something that I've been grappling with really over the last seven days. And, and yet it's so vital, isn't it, that we, we dig into this and dig into what this passage is saying. And so that's what we're going to do. And there's three key things that I want to pull out today about this blueprint for mankind uh, that all come from chapter two. And the first key thing is one to do with harmony. In chapter one, we find out in verse 27 that God created mankind in his image, male and female. And it's worth considering what God is like, what this image is that we're meant to reflect and in the Trinity, in the Godhead, between the Father, Son and, and Holy Spirit, there is perfect harmony. They work together perfectly to, to form creation. And we saw that God, the Spirit and his word in the first three verses of Genesis chapter one, creating. And throughout the Bible and into the New Testament, we see Jesus being filled by the Holy Spirit and praying to the Father in complete harmony. They work together. And in the same way, this passage reveals to us or it reminds us of the harmony that existed between Adam and Eve and God and his creation in the beginning. In verse six, we, we find out that there was no one to work the ground. And so verse seven tells us that God creates man. He breathes life into him and he gives him purpose. He provides everything he needs for him, including trees of every kind, pleasing to the eye and good for food. We find out that the garden, this paradise, has water that brings life to the garden. In fact, uh, 
this water flows actually out of Eden, is what Nicholas read. And if that, what that's saying is it flows out of the place of God's presence. And that is just one of the many pictures that has threads throughout the whole of the Bible. And like, you know, in Ezekiel, there's a, the picture of the, of the tabernacle, and that's where God's presence dwells. And it talks about how the river of life flowing out of the tabernacle. In the New Testament, in John 7, Jesus says, if anyone is thirsty, he can come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, rivers of living water will flow out from within them. Because now God's presence dwells in, in us, in, in God's people. And so throughout this chapter, we see a blueprint for mankind. And it's one of it's harmony, harmony with each other, harmony with their creator, harmony with, their, with creation um, and with the world. And God's image is given a purpose, it's given life, it's given abundance, one where humanity is in this harmonious relationship uh, together with God in the garden. And this place of life, this place of God's presence, this place of abundance, this place of purpose, this place of harmony is one where, where mankind is, is made, is, is, is designed to live. And you know, names are important aren't they in the bible and none say more in genesis and uh, god's name and adam's name are, are no different they're important and in chapter one it says over and over again god created or god said god did but in chapter two it says the lord god made the lord god said the lord god caused and you might wonder well why the difference well they are different names for god in chapter one, the Hebrew word used for God is Elohim. And this is kind of God, the creator, God, the everlasting, the magnificent, the mighty. Uh, that's what that kind of means. That's what it conjures up. In this chapter, chapter two, the Hebrew name is Yahweh Elohim. And this is God, the father. It's, it's much more intimate. It's close. It's relational. It's this loving father the one that brings his covenants it's the name by which the hebrews come to know god as this close father and it's telling us something of the harmony that god has with his creation and with mankind and so that that's god's name adam's name it speaks of harmony too you know the hebrew name for adam is adam hence or sorry the hebrew name for man is adam hence why we we, we know him as adam Interestingly, the name for soil or earth or ground is Adama. And so out of the Adama, out of the soil, God made Adam to work and care for the Adama. There's this kind of harmonious synergy between mankind, God and his creation. This was God's blueprint. This was his origins for mankind. And we get those words in verse 15, where, where man is made to work for and take care of the garden. It's the, the picture, I guess, here is like um, a picture of a king who rules over his people. And he's, he's called to rule over them, to bring order out of chaos. But he's also called to guard and protect and look after them from enemy threats. In the same way, mankind is created to live in harmony with God, to rule over his creation, which means bringing order out of chaos. And we know we see Adam naming animals and, and uh, having that kind of purpose there. But also it's one of guarding and keeping God's creation and bringing harmony to it. So right at the very start of Adam and Eve's relationship, God was right there at the start in harmony. Do you know, in the same way, we need to have God at the centre of all our relationships now. 
in our companies and our families and our friendships and our streets and our churches and in our marriages. How do we have God at the center of our relationships? Well, we look to Jesus as our great example. And he encourages, doesn't, doesn't he, to love one another, to care for one another, to forgive one another, to pray for one another, to, to be quick to say sorry, because God created us to, to live in harmony with one another and with God. And, and when we don't, it, it jars with us, it, it, it hurts us because we weren't created for that. But, but that was the original blueprint. God was in the mix then, and we need him in the mix now. Right at the very end of verse 17, we get that hint, don't we, that the harmony is going to be broken as although Adam is given the whole of creation, God withholds from him one tree. And next week, we're going to look at that one tree and we're going to look at the breakdown of this harmonious relationship. And and uh, it's called the fall and, and what happened there. But but we'll leave that to next week. For now, it's important for us to know that that God's original blueprint, his design for mankind, just like in the Godhead, is to be a people of harmony, harmony with God, harmony with creation, harmony with one another. The second uh, key thing that I want to pull out is one of equality. Verse 18, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. So I will make a helper suitable for him. You know, over the years, people have found reasons to give men and women different value. And on the face of it, this sentence can sound quite derogative. You might have read the book or watched the film The Help, which conjures up this picture of a poor black woman slaving away after white people. Well, this is not what that word means. Eve is not the help. Actually, these first few chapters tell us that God created men and women with equal status both image bearers of God. And this key bit of text is the first time where something is deemed as not good. So we're meant to prick up our ears and and to take note and to listen, because all so far over the first chapter we've had, it is good, it is good, it is good. And now we get it is not good. And it's what is not good? Well, it's not good that Adam is alone. So God makes Eve. Now, that word helper is the same word used of actually God throughout the Old Testament. You know, we see it in Exodus chapter 18 and in many of the Psalms, too, where it talks about God being our helper, our strength and our, our refuge. And it conjures up this kind of image. In fact, the Holy Spirit is known as a helper to us and to Jesus, uh, just as Jesus, the Father and the Holy Spirit are equal. So male and female hold equal status and value and dignity before God. And we then we get this. Uh, so we get this, this equality coming through, male and female, made in the image of God. And we get this incredible scene of, of Adam being presented, this kind of procession line of all the animals uh, where, as they're being brought forward before Adam for him to give them each a name. And that naming process, really what it does is it highlights difference. That's cow. That's dog. That's ostrich. That's chicken that's snake that's hippo it's different 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 no suitable helper is found and so incredibly in a completely different way to the rest of creation god puts adam to sleep and then he creates eve from his rib and you know no good things really come about pain do they and and adam is put to sleep and god does surgery on him and takes the rib out 
And you might have heard um, several commentators give, give that quote that God didn't make Eve from Adam's head to rule over him, nor did he create Eve from a bone in Adam's foot to be trampled on by him, but from his side to be equal to him, to be next to him, to be near his heart and uh, so that he's loved by him and to be under his arm so that he, so that he protects her and keeps her safe. God brings Eve to the man and instead of this different, 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 different conveyor belt, we get finally, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh and she will be called woman for she was taken out of man. Far from this being a moment of difference, this is a song of sameness, bone of my bones, equal to me, like me, Far from Eve being portrayed as something less than Adam, she is equal to him. In fact, if this passage tells us anything, it is that the deficiency lies with Adam. Adam alone could not bear God's image. It was not good. But when God creates Eve at the end of that sixth day, God declares this very good. Male and female together representing God throughout the world, encouraged to work together, to multiply, to fill the earth, to enjoy it and to enjoy each other. Both are given the mandate to go and, and rule over creation, to be the, the kings and queens, the, the, the crown of God's creation. Both are given the mandate to bring God's glory to the world, to fill it and to subdue, subdue it in partnership. Yet today, much like with the Hebrews, this is not what they experienced. And, and it's often what we don't experience this either. Throughout our culture, there is inequality between the sexes in many ways. There's inequality between the races. There's inequality between the classes. Yet God's blueprint, his design, his origins for mankind was that all people would be equal, carrying dignity, having purpose, knowing fruitfulness and being joyful. After all, this is what bears the image of God. Each part of the Godhead, just like they are in full harmony with one another, they are also equal, all equally God, Father, Son and Spirit, all worthy of our worship, all present in creation, all eternal in nature, all together wonderful. So it means that when we see discrimination, when we see abuse, when we see barriers or, or bullying or neglect, you know what? We have a duty to protect, to care for, to love, embrace, help, to support those in need because it wasn't good for man to be alone. And God created Eve to, to be equal with him, to be co-heirs together uh, leading and together working together, together bringing fruit bringing through God's glory and you know I, I, that's why it's so tough being in lockdown being separated from others because it's not it's not good to be alone it's why we feel the loss in this season of that separation it's why we we reach out to those who who are single or on their own because it's just we're made for community we're, we're made equally important before God equally loved equally treasured equally made with dignity and and that's why it's important isn't it for us to connect and and that's what we're called to do as the people, the people of God, because we, we just recognize that everyone carries 
equal value, status and dignity before the great high God. That's how we were created. That was God's origins for mankind. And then the third thing is that they were created so not just to be in harmony, not just to have equality, but to be distinct. Lastly, we're made distinct. And this chapter and, and in the next chapter, God speaks to Adam and he speaks to Eve. In this one, God gives Adam a role to name the animals. And he also gives some boundaries. And, and actually, God tells Adam about the two trees. Um, God speaks to Eve, too, in the next chapter. And, and they have a conversation. And Adam and Eve are made equal, but they're made distinct. They're, they're made male and female. They're not clones, but they're individuals. We see this in the most basic way through their biology. He creates them with separate sexual organs, which are distinct, yet work in harmony with one another. Both always hold their equal status, yet God designs them with distinct attributes to work together, to complement each other and to bring out each other's gifts. You know, we live in a world where everyone wants to be the same. You go on Instagram and it's full of people doing the same pose, the same type of selfie, wearing the same clothes, trying to have the same look, the same makeup, trying to fit this kind of elusive image of beauty. But God has made all of us beautifully distinct. Adam and Eve are not clones of one another, but they have their own free will and their own minds, their own gifts, their own names. You know, we've talked about Adam's name and Eve's name means to bring life. Uh, it's, the, it's, it's like the, the living, it's, it's to breathe. And, and, you know, I guess, you know, it just comes out of the rib and, and then she has this sense of bringing life and breath and, uh, uh, to, to the world. And just like the Godhead, though all operating in harmony, though all equally God, all are distinct with their own roles and their own responsibilities. We even see Jesus submitting to the Father, trusting him and following him. We see the Spirit filling the Son and guiding him, distinct yet fully satisfied, serving and loving one another, working together. This is the wonderful origins of mankind, made not to play to our stereotypes, but to our strengths made equal before God's eyes, with distinct gifts, made to operate in harmony with each other, serving one another. This is the origins of community, of relationships of mankind, to celebrate our diversity and our distinctness, not to be threatened by them or to compete with others with them, but instead to bring out uh, and see others' gifts flourish, to, to serve those around us with our own, to, to work in harmony, all equal, but with distinct uh, gifts to bring. The origins of mankind is to live in God's creation and to reflect his image to the world, to reflect God's nature, to be a people of harmony, working together, complementing each other, to value and to cherish one another and to recognise that we are all equal and that we celebrate our diversity and we'd celebrate those things that make us distinct from one another. This origin, um, God declares, very good at the end of day six very good you know everything that has been said it relates to all our relationships whether you're single whether you're married divorced whether you're young old black white working not working what whatever your situation whatever your background 
Um, God designed you. The origins for mankind's designed is to be a people in harmony, a people with equal value, a people with distinct gifts and, and characteristics, and it is all good. God's origins for mankind was to look like this and, and for us to celebrate that. But right at the end of the chapter, one key relationship there is highlighted um, for a place where all these things should come together, especially while, whilst they should come together in all of our relationships, is this relationship of marriage. And so I just want to take a second to talk about the marriage relationship. Because everything that's been said, all that God has laid out has, has led up to these last two verses. The first one, verse 24, says, that is why, you know, when he, when he cries out, bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. That is why a man leaves his father and his mother and he's united to his wife and they become one flesh. That, that whole passage has been leading towards God's blueprint for the rightful place for sex. And that is within the male-female marriage relationship. It's God's design that the place to express our sexual desires is in a committed marital relationship. Following Adam's amazing song about Eve, following God creating her from his rib, God says that the original design of it all was so that in marriage, men and women would reflect and reveal to creation also these qualities of harmony, equality and distinctiveness. A man leaves his mother and father. He comes away from the security of his parents' household. He takes responsibility, stands on his own two feet to be united with his wife. And that word united is to cleave to or to switch allegiance to. And it's to say that I am now yours and you are mine and we're in this together and we will be one flesh and we're going to work together and we're going to value one another and we're going to celebrate our differences and, and we'll be a force for good in our community and we'll be a centre of gravity to unite others around. That is the place or, or the context for the amazing gift of sex to be celebrated and enjoyed. It's why um, in, this, in those verses, it uses the words wife, you know, because it's like showing this marital relationship. It uses the words one flesh. It's showing that sexual union that comes in this marriage relationship. And in that second verse, verse 25, it says, Adam and his wife were both naked and they found no shame. That's saying that everything about them was exposed to one another. Everything was on the table, all was out in the open, and they felt no shame. There was nothing to hide, no guilt, no bad feelings, no dark secrets, no hidden boxes. You know, when architects build a house, they regularly review the blueprint to see how are they doing. Are they on course? Is the house that's being built resembling the plans that were originally made? You might have read or listened to God's blueprint for sex and marriage and relationships and think that your life or our society and our culture is wildly on a different path to this. And you'd be right. But to be honest, all cultures have built their house different on all three aspects that I've been talking about this morning. This news would have been just as shocking to the Hebrews as it is to our culture today. I mean, just a quick look through Hebrew history, which is laid out in the rest of Genesis, will show you that actually they didn't have the best kind of reference. They didn't have this blueprint uh, for sexual relationships. You know, let's just think about it. Abraham was the father of the Hebrews, and he has a wife and yet sleeps with her slave to try to have a baby. Jacob, also known as Israel, has 12 sons, and each of those 12 sons come from four different women, two wives and two mistresses. 
there is a, a rape attack on Dinah at Shechem. There's two brothers who sexually abuse their sister-in-law. There's an Egyptian housewife who tries to seduce Joseph. There's a shrine of prostitutes that fill the road along to Timnah. Lot tries to protect a guest who comes to his house from a violent, homo violent homosexual gang rape. And this is all before the Hebrews were made slaves and would have been treated horrendously. I mean, forget about Fifty Shades of Grey, just read Genesis and you'll get a whole diversity of sexual desires and nature. You know, I don't know if in uh, Egypt they had weddings, wedding celebrations. We, we don't know that. They, they didn't have priests at that point. And, but what we do know is up until this point, the Hebrews, their culture, their identity, their ideas of, of creation, as we mentioned in the first week, but their ideas of, I guess, sexual relationships, of, of marriage would have been quite diverse and ranging. And the point that I want to make is that it's easy for us to think that somehow it would have been easy for us to live back in the olden days where everyone just lived to this kind of to God's blueprint. But that is far from reality. The truth is that every culture, every nation, every tribe has fallen short of God's blueprint. And in this moment, as God speaks to the Hebrew nation, as he has freedom from captivity, he is speaking to them a blueprint, an origin for what he has designed as best place for sex to take place. And that is in the male-female marital union. And you may just consider what life is like without it. What would you know, I mean, with it, just consider what would life be like if societies and nations and cultures followed God's blueprint, where mums and dads stayed faithful to each other, where they brought up children in that secure and safe environment, where they weren't never going to leave each other, where they didn't cheat on one another, where they didn't put each other down, where society was built with stable, committed and faithful relationships, where children didn't go through the pain of seeing parents separate, where, where kids weren't abused by people in their own household, where people are treated with dignity and equality, where people are encouraged not to fit a mould or a stereotype, but to play to their strengths and, and to be celebrated for the different gifts and the diversity that are in them to be a people free to be distinct but to carry equal value and to have dignity and significance to be a people that live in harmony who support one another and encourage one another wouldn't that be amazing would that be exactly what we all want and strive for where male and female can get in bed at the end of the day and feel no shame for anything that they have done said or thought that's the blueprint for sex that God lays out for this nation that he's bringing out of out of slavery and into freedom. And he says that the place for it to be enjoyed and expressed is in that male female marriage. Now, this has probably been one of the hardest passages to prepare for. And I know that in this text that it might conjure up all sorts of questions and implications for for you around gender around sexuality and um, around all sorts of things about about sex and I know that uh, perhaps in the past churches have not always been so so good at tackling this subject and today I'm, I, I don't, my aim is actually not to go into all of those different things but it's really just to take a look at what has what has God designed 
what has God laid a blueprint out for? What was God's intentions? But also to recognise that it's not just the few that might have fallen short from that, but every single one of us have fallen far short of God's good design. We've all fallen short of God's best, of God's intentions for us. We all have sexual desires or fantasies that we're, we're not to fulfill, that God didn't intend for us to pursue and that we need to put to death and we need to lay aside. After all, really, that's what it means to become a Christian. It's to die to your old self and to take on the new. It's to be made renewed, to allow God to renew our minds, to trust him and to live to him and to follow him. And that means putting to death some of our, our own desires and, and, and the desires of the flesh. It means reminding ourselves not to hold up idols because that's what we do in our society. We hold up idols of sex is an idol in our society. Food is an idol in our society. Uh, in fact, it is across the whole world. It's why, you know, we see around, all around the world People are starved and it's because food is an idol. And so some go with and some go without. We also see, especially in our culture, sex is laid up as an idol. And do you know what? When that happens, it's never going to fulfill our deepest desires. It's always going to let us down because it was never meant to be an idol. It's never meant to be the thing that we live for, the thing that we worship. It was always ever meant to be God. The only way to find fulfillment is in knowing God. And before I finish, I want to pause because of all the different questions that people might have. I do want to talk about singleness because you could be thinking, well, what about me? Do I still reflect God's glory? Can I still be fulfilled even if I'm not in a, in a male-female marriage relationship? And the answer is absolutely. And I want you to know that Jesus was the most fulfilled man who ever lived. And he wasn't in a sexual relationship and he wasn't married. And you might be single for a whole variety of reasons. And our culture likes to say that if you're not having sex, that you're somehow less than. Um, but that is just not true. That's far from the case. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He is the one who, who reflects God into our nation. And he came as a fully secure, loved, fulfilled single man. And do you know what? Our fulfillment, as soon as we think that it's going to come from food or come from sex or come from anything else, then do you know what? We're going to we're going to fall short. We're going to fall far from what it really means. And we're always going to chase after something that we can never grab hold of. But we can find our fulfillment in God. Every single one of us, male, female, single, married, divorced, widowed, young, old, black, white. The one thing that we can all find our fulfillment in is God in fact that's that is the thing that Jesus has come to this earth to do because the reality is is that throughout our churches throughout our nations throughout our relationships harmony is uh, harmony is not there you know instead of dignity we see division we see um, degrading we see disunity and we see dysfunction and we don't ex we don't have this sense of going to bed at night and just uh, having no shame and no guilt. Actually, if God was or if we were to think about all the, the thoughts, if, if they were exposed, if all of our feelings and our words and our deeds were exposed, then we would feel great sense of shame. 
for all the things that we have done. And yet Jesus is the great restorer. Jesus is the second Adam who comes to bring harmony between God and man and his creation. Jesus is the one who brings uh, equality to people. He treated everyone the same. Those that were marginalized, those who were on the, on the, on young, those who were old, those who, who had diseases, those who were looked down on by society. He treats them all the same and gives them, gives them dignity and value and status and significance and he comes to do that and he celebrated diversity and he got in trouble with interacting with people who were different to others and he sends his holy spirit to give gifts in in to different people in 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 equal measure in different ways so that we can all come together and be a diverse group of people the bible says that jesus comes to restore and redeem and it says that he nails all our sin and all our shame and all the things that we feel bad about and guilty about and the ways in which we don't live up to God's blueprint he nails it to the cross and he says now you can come and know fullness you can know grace you can know redemption you can know what it feels like to have no shame and to be completely redeemed Jesus came as the perfect image of the invisible God to come and show us that we can be restored to a relationship with our father we can know what it is to have harmony in our relationship between us and God and with each other we can know what it means to 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 know that our sense of significance and dignity in God's sight to know that we're equally made wonderful that he loves us and he and he and he cares for us and to know that do you know what he has made us different and that's good in fact, it's very good, just as he made Adam and Eve different. And that's OK. And we can celebrate our differences. We can celebrate our diversity and we can do that because we are loved by God. And so what I'd like us to do is like us to pray. And, you know, it's worth us as we come to praise, it's worth us just reflecting, reflecting on your relationship with God. How, how is your harmony between your soul and God? How do you feel about yourself before him? Do you know that you're loved, you're cherished, that you're made good in his sight? How do you feel about the differences that you have compared to others that you might know? It's just, it's just worth taking a moment to come and laying those things before God and asking him to fill you again with a sense of, of his delight on your life. And that's one thing I'd like us to do. The second thing I'd like us to do is I'd like us to think about our relationships. You know, if, if you're if you're married, it's important for you to think about that relationship. But, but don't just hold it to that. What about all your relationships in your, in your workplace, in the church, in your community? It's worth just thinking about relationships. Where does harmony need to be restored? Is, is there someone you need to go and apologise to? Is there someone you just need to go and, and chat with? What about um, equality? Have, have you treated someone badly? Is, is there a relationship that needs to mend? Do you, do you need to share God's delight with someone else and, and to remind them, actually, they, are, they, are, they have value and significance and dignity in their life that you want to celebrate? What about, is, is there areas where perhaps uh, there's been differences between you and someone else? Maybe you haven't appreciated someone else's gifts and and maybe put them down or or perhaps you've uh you just come into a confrontation because someone is a bit different to you where do you need to go and celebrate diversity where where do you need to restore something in relationship where you can celebrate someone's differences 
I want, I want to leave you to, to ponder that throughout this week, to spend time in God's word, read through this chapter again and ask God to reveal to you some areas in which you perhaps need to connect and reconnect with God, but also reconnect with others. But for now, let me pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for for this these origins the the origins of of your creation of how you you began it all and how you pursued us and and how lord god that you you are a wonderful creator lord i thank you for the origins of of rest that we've heard about over last week and and how actually we can find rest in you and how that is a gospel message to us and I thank you, Lord God, that today we, we learn again about the origins of mankind, about how we were made, how, how you have created us, male and female, to come and reflect your goodness and, and reflect the harmony, the equality and, and the distinctiveness, the, the uniqueness that we all carry, the diversity that we carry amongst us as a, as a people. And I thank you that in our diversity, we reflect your image. In our unity, in our harmony, we reflect your image. And, and in our equal value of one another and our and our love for one another supporting of one another we reflect your image and i just pray for for any of us who kind of who feel that we are somehow less than lord actually i pray that you would speak to us that you'd fill us with your spirit you'd help us to know that we are yours and you are ours that that we are good in your sight and that you have created us that way and i pray lord god for where any of those things have have caused disunity between us and others either in our marriages and our households or in our streets in our church and in our communities and our workplaces lord i pray would you help us to to reflect something of you in those situations and to bring restoration i thank you ultimately jesus you came to to do all those things and i thank you that all of us can find our fullness in you and we just recognize lord god that we might have put up things in our lives idols of sex idols of money idols of food idols of all sorts of things that that we look to for our satisfaction we look to for our identity and lord god we just want to repent of those things we lay them down and we know lord god ultimately we find our identity our significance our purpose our fulfillment in you and so we just lay those down we come before you and we say lord god have your way in our hearts help us to follow you help us to trust you in every area of our lives in your heavenly name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We're meeting online every Sunday at 10am. Head to hopechurchgilford.com for more information. We look forward to seeing you.